Hello, and welcome to the second episode of season two of Straight from the CPA's Mouth. I'm Danielle Blackburn, Communications Coordinator with the CPA Education Foundation, and I will be your host for this episode. Today, we're continuing our conversation from our previous episode with Kat Giasova. Kat wrote CPA's Common Final Exam, also known as the CFE, back in the fall and is now working towards getting the practical experience hours required for her designation. In the last episode, we learned about her journey from Uzbekistan to Thailand to Canada. And today we are going to learn more about her journey, what it means to belong, and what kind of support is helpful for people who are new to Canada. I heard that future casting is an essential tool for long-term business. According to a recent poll, 48% of Canadians say they are $200 or less each month away from Filter out the noise. Hear it straight from the CPA's mouth. So coming to Canada was not what you had expected. So there's two answers to that. I It was definitely very different, very different from what I expected eventually. At first, it was exactly what I expected. Hmm. It was a developed country where everything was proper and everything was organized and everything was, it was exactly as I expected. And I also expected to be very lonely and very culturally shocked and have a very difficult transition. I fully on expected all of those things and those things did happen. My first year in Canada was probably the hardest year of my life because we dropped everything we've earned and had and pretty much a very comfortable life to come to Canada and start from zero. I came to Canada with it turns out $200 in my pocket because I recently had to check, check my documents for something and I saw that it wasn't 100 it was $200. <laughs> and that's it, a suitcase and $200. And I was 21 and I had to start my life all over again. And everything I had worked for in the past four years in my degree was nothing. I didn't finish it because I had to leave. Yeah, so, so you, you can carry much over. No. I mean, at that point, I wasn't even trying. At that point, I was just thinking, I will leave soon. But then, um, as time progressed, I realized I didn't really have anything to go back to because my family was here now. And I realized that as much as I loved Thailand and it felt like home, it wasn't a permanent home. It was definitely a country that was very welcoming but it wasn't the country that wanted me as a citizen. So I understood that in my head, and that was so difficult to realize because I still didn't feel like home in Canada because it was such a foreign country. And again, culturally, very, very different. (laughs) Right. (laughs) And my number one impression was we came in and we landed in Winnipeg and then we came to Calgary because this is where my aunt was and we came to her house and of course they opened their doors and they're like you can stay with us as long as you have to she had a relatively big house so I shared a bedroom with my cousin she had three daughters we have three 
my mom had three kids. So it was still very crowded, <laughs> but it wasn't a one bedroom. <laughs> so I remember my first experience of Canada is like, it hit 6 p.m. We came in November, so it was right around fall. It was it was still nice out, but it's starting to get chilly. And I remember it hit 6 p.m. and it got dark, and all of a sudden, people disappeared. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, oh, my God, where did all the people go? <laughs> because I wasn't used to it. In Thailand, it's so populated. There was people out and about every single minute of the day. Even if it's 3 o'clock in the morning, there's people outside. There's restaurants opened. There, 7-Elevens are open there 24-7, and here it's just not the case. So I got super depressed about that. I was like, what is happening? Uh, what? Where are all the people? Where are all the businesses? Why is it so dead? Is this is this illegal to go outside at this time? And so that was my first impression. It was just so shocking. And then, of course, I had to start thinking about earning money because my parents they gave everything they had away to come here. So they didn't have much. And I knew I couldn't live with my aunt forever. So I started looking for work. Um, another painful experience because I really didn't have any Canadian experience. And it's very difficult to get a job in Canada without Canadian experience because they, it's, they just people don't tend to hire someone who doesn't have anything to show for themselves in the past or a reference that they could call. Mm -hmm. So what I did is uh, this was around the time that everything started switching to digital. So applications started becoming more apply online instead of coming into the store and leaving your resume, but not all companies have converted yet. So what I did is I uh, printed off like 50 resumes and I went to every plaza and every mall in Calgary and I handed out my resume in person and I explained my situation like a elevator pitch, <laughs> really, <laughs> that I'm an immigrant. I came here a week ago and I'm really looking forward to working. And if you could please give me an opportunity, I will prove to you that I'm a worthwhile investment. And that elevator pitch, I repeated 50 times and I left my resume everywhere and um, I got lucky. This was right before Christmas, right? So the body shop, I think they were actually looking and I think I pretty much got hired on the spot. It was at Chinook Mall and she was like, okay, you know what? When you're looking for somebody, how about you start next week? And I was like, yes, there is something. I did <laughs> not hear back from the 49 other places, by the way. <laughs> so, um, uh, that was, I think I took, it took me a week to distribute all those resumes and I got two jobs out of it. Eventually the first one was the body shop. And then the other one, I was at the mall eating lunch. And then I saw dynamite was also hiring. So I went there in person. I was like, I look, I work at the mall already and I'm looking for another job and they offered me a job. So, uh, within two weeks I had two jobs. So I was very happy about that because in Thailand, you need a work permit as a foreigner to work. And they don't give those out easily. They only give it out to you if a Thai national cannot perform the job. So there was no way in Thailand that I would be working at a mall. Mm -hmm. So this was huge for me because I, for the first time in my life, was able to earn money. So I felt very proud and accomplished. And I did that for a while. And then I went to work at a, as a hostess at a restaurant. I thought I wanted to be a server. 
But then they said I needed the ProServe. So before I could get my ProServe license, I hosted and then I got my ProServe license. And then I also waitressed for a while. So I was in between retail and restaurants for about two years. And then um, I met my partner, Brandon, and he said, hey, you're a smart girl, and it doesn't look like you're really into what you're doing. (laughs) Maybe you should think (laughs) about going back to school again. One thing my fiancé, now fiancé, what he did notice, and he was correct to notice, is that I did not love my retail job or my restaurant job. I really desperately wanted to work in a finance field because that's what my degree from Thailand was. But I was applying and applying and nobody was getting back to me because I didn't have, first of all, a degree from Canada or a degree completed Mm -hmm. or experience. So, but there was one thing I did notice when I applied over and over again. It was that they were looking for a CA, CGA, or a CMA. Those three. This was before the CPA amalgamation. Right. So I kept on seeing that at the end of every job that I was looking at, that that is a requirement or preferred. And so I decided to look into what it was. And that's when I discovered CPA. Mm. And I realized that after doing some research, you needed a degree and It needed to be from an accredited institution. And then after that, you take exams and you apply and then you do modules and then you do this common CT exam. And I looked at all of that and I'm like, that's seven years of my life. (laughs) I'm like, (laughs) no wonder why all these amazing jobs require this. (laughs) (laughs) But then uh, my boyfriend at the time, he, he was like, you know what? You are a smart girl and you work so hard. I'll help you go back to school and get what you need to get because this is a long-term thing. And you think, let's think long-term. This is going to make you happy and you will have a job that you actually want eventually. And so that's when I decided to apply to fate. So at this point, did you and your family have your citizenship? No. So, um, no, We were very fortunate because of the program that my father got us uh, accepted under that we landed as permanent residents immediately. So we basically got our PR cards as soon as we came and just applied for them. And a couple of weeks later, we got our PR cards. We got our social insurance numbers. So we were as good as Canadian at that point. We just had to wait out our period. And that was a period of four years. So we had to stay here for four years before we could apply for our citizenship. Mm -hmm. And for me, that was very easy because after one year of suffering and hating my life, I finally realized I love this place. (laughs) (laughs) And so for me, I was like, oh, I am not leaving. I am not going anywhere. I'm staying right here. I'm staying put until my four years are up and I apply. I am not going to extend that period by going on a vacation or going to Thailand to try to do something, which my family members did. They would leave for three to four months to go back to Thailand to try to earn some money to bring back here because they couldn't make the money here. And, But I wouldn't leave because I was like, I want my citizenship as soon as possible. Right. So I waited out my four years, and um, this was the hard part. Uh, I was already back at school at state, and I remember that 
I had my citizenship exam for my Canadian citizenship on the same week that I had finals. Oh gosh. And I had <laughs> taken six courses because I wanted to speed through university because I already did it before and I didn't want to spend four years. So I finished in three and a half years. So every semester I would have to take like six courses and take spring as well. So <laughs> I remember I had six finals in one week because state does their finals in one week, not in two weeks. <laughs> and my seventh exam, my last exam was my citizenship exam. Oh my goodness. So I remember they gave us this booklet that we had to learn read and learn about Canadian history, Canadian, like just their government structure, about the Canadian culture. And it wasn't that long, but it felt like a thousand pages when it was on top of all of my other courses. Yeah, absolutely. But I read it three times. And I remember that because it was the night before and I had to um, prepare and I had two other exams that day. I think, yeah, I did. So I read it start to finish three times and then I asked Brandon my fiance to quiz me and he couldn't because he himself did not know a whole lot about his own culture than I did <laughs> that's what that's what I'm thinking I'm wondering how many Canadian born citizens would actually be able to take that test and pass it <laughs> um not many I don't think yeah. because I had a couple of Canadian friends at that point and I was telling them hey, so this and this and this and this, does that happen here or here in the legislature? And she's like, what? How would I know that? I'm like, you're Canadian, aren't you? Didn't you learn this in school or something? And a lot of them, they were like, oh my God, I can't believe you have to know that stuff. That's how I learned about Wayne Gretzky. Is <laughs> through your, um, the process of becoming, getting your citizenship. Correct. Wow. <laughs> so it was, quite amazing because I felt like I was learning more about Canadian culture than an actual Canadian. So I yeah. felt a little privileged <laughs> there. And when I yeah. passed it, I was just like, that's it. That's it. I'm Canadian now. No one can tell me otherwise. And I know more about Canada than you do. <laughs> so um, I took the exam and I, I felt pretty confident because I read the book and the exam questions were not designed to fail you, if you know what I mean. They were not designed to be like, oh, you didn't read this one little caveat here, mm. so we're going to catch you. So I think that Canada wants to welcome people that are trying and want to be here. And so if you've already spent the time to apply for your PR card and you got your PR card and you stayed here for four years and you've proven to be a good citizen without any criminal offenses... And then you're now registering to do your exam and you want to become a Canadian. They're not going to be here at this last step of your process to tell you, yeah, you're just not good enough. So no. So I, my whole family passed this exam and my parents barely speak any English or did at that point. So it's just them trying to acquaint you a little more with the Canadian culture, I think, than mm -hmm. test you. So, um, I passed the exam and then my ceremony, oh God, my ceremony was such a special day in my life. Mm -hmm. um, the day that I got the letter that told me on this day at this place, you will be basically getting your citizenship and this is the ceremony and would you like to attend? And I was like, of course, <laughs> I'm going to be there. And my best friend came and my fiance and... It was such an emotional day for me personally because 
this was the first day in my life that I knew I'm finally going to be free of the worry that I have been holding on to for the last God knows how many years of not knowing where I belong, not knowing with certainty that I'm safe from my government or not, and not knowing where I'll end up eventually, or not knowing if, for instance, something happened politically that I'm in a democracy and not in a dictatorship, and that I'm with my family. And Mm -hmm. in a country where I'm valued and respected as a woman, so I knew that with the ceremony came all of those little freedoms that I've never had. So I, I cried a lot. (laughs) (laughs) My nose was red. I, I have pictures from this day and my nose is just red because I'm just crying. And we sang the anthem and we were sworn in and it was just such a special day. And I remember standing there and thinking to myself, I am just so happy that I went through the trouble of coming here and suffering through that one year, which feels so short now compared to all the amazing years that I got in return till now. And just being so grateful for my dad for pushing me to come here and for my family. And it just like I came out of that ceremony almost like a different person. I came out a free woman. It was just... I don't know. It's it was symbolic, I guess. It was symbolic more than anything. Mm-hmm. So then, if you had to explain what it means to have citizenship to someone who's always had that in a in a developed country, how would you explain that? Um. So it depends on where your citizenship is from. So the citizenship that I had was Uzbekistani citizenship, and that doesn't really get you a lot in the real world. Because it's a third world country, you're seen as a risk of somebody who, like, for instance, if you want to travel somewhere, you can't just go anywhere. You have to get a visa. And it's such a lengthy process for a country that is a third world country. So for me, for instance, if I wanted to go visit a friend in Australia, I would have to apply for a visa that costs a lot of money. And then I would have to go through a grueling process of proving to them that I'm not going to just go there and stay there. I'm not going to become an illegal immigrant. I will leave. So I had to prove that I had money in the bank, that I'm leaving my family behind, that I have an education that is not like tied to Australia. So it was just such a humiliating and grueling process all the time. And even like when my parents told me, I didn't experience this personally because when I was in Thailand, I pretty much stayed there. I didn't travel much, but my parents did. They went to, for instance, the U.S. And once they've gone through that grueling process of applying for the visa to go to visit their friends in the U.S. and proving that they had the money and proving that their kids are still left behind so they wouldn't stay in, like, in America illegally, they would have to go through like the security and security would split lines based on where you're from. (laughs) So there would be a line for people that are, for instance, Canadian, Australian, British, Italian. And then there would be a line for all the third world nations. And my parents said they opened all of their suitcases and they went through all of their stuff. And like, it was just a humiliating experience for them. Mm -hmm. So it's things like that that I think a lot of people who are born and raised in Canada don't even realize occur. And 
I remember telling my fiance as soon as I came out of my ceremony building, I was just like, I can go anywhere in the world now. And he's just like <laughs> laughing, kind of like whatever. And I was just like, no, don't you get it? I can go anywhere in the world now. I can go to America. I can go to Australia and no one can stop me. And he's just like, why would they stop you before? And I was like, you need visas. You need to prove to people that you're not a, a threat or a liability to that country. And he's just like, what? Because to him, he has a Canadian passport. He can go wherever and he is welcomed with open arms. And no one cares if he comes without a visa because most countries don't even require a visa from a Canadian citizen. Mm -hmm. So he was just so shocked. And he just sat there and he's just like, that's so interesting because I've never even encountered that. So I don't even know what that feels like. Yeah. So it was just an interesting moment, I think, for both of us, because for me, I saw what it's like to be a Canadian. And for him, he saw what it was like to be an immigrant from a third world nation. And so that was a little bit interesting, too. But other things of being in a country that isn't as well developed as, say, Canada, is just the insecurity of the government. Mm -hmm. Um never knowing what tomorrow will bring because you're not in a democratic nation where, you know, everything has due process. Everything has voted in. There's parliament, there's decisions, there's proving. You can't just come out and say, I decide that I'm going to reign for another 10 years. Right. So little things like that, they really are difficult to live with every day because it's just like, for instance, to just bring into perspective, we're living under a lot of uncertainty today because mm -hmm. of COVID. Well, that uncertainty was a daily aspect of our lives for 20-something years. Gosh. So that's, I guess that's actually a very good example of how it felt like every day. So, yeah, yeah I couldn't bring this example on before. Unfortunately, this is what we're in right now. Mm-hmm. But, and, you know, and that's something that, you know, unless people have experiences and journeys like yourself, they just don't understand that they have no concept of that. Right. No, so it's, it's through no fault of their own. It's just right. they have been fortunate enough to win the lottery of being born in Canada. Mm. So yeah. it, it is kind of a lottery in a way, in my opinion. <laughs> <laughs> but this is a great place to be. This is the best place to be, in my opinion. Yeah. It's a beautiful, culturally rich country, and everyone is respected, and everyone is allowed to practice the religion that they want, to be who they want, and I don't feel oppressed here in any way or shape or form, and that is just such an amazing feeling. Wow. So then what would you say to Canadian-born citizens who want to support newcomers as they come and they're trying to, you know, navigate this new culture and, you know, the, the steps that they need to take, what would you say to Canadian citizens to support those people? Well, I think Canadians are really good with welcoming different people into their circles. I think we're actually a very open country that way because I had no issues making friends. And mm -hmm. most of my friends are actually Canadian born and raised. I don't really have a whole lot of immigrant friends. And I don't, I'm not sure why it's probably because I went to school and the courses maybe I took or the circles I hung out in, it wasn't intentional, but I can say, I would like to repeat what my friends did 
because they did it right. They made me feel welcomed. Mm. They, um, they just did not treat me like I was a different person. And when I was different in some ways, for instance, food, <laughs> the languages I speak, or the things I did sometimes in a group setting, they'd be like, oh, that's so interesting. Could you elaborate on that a little more? And they wanted to learn. Instead mm-hmm. of sitting there and saying, oh, that's not how we do things here or something, they'd be like, oh, that's interesting. Oh, and they would want to learn. They would want to accept you for who you are and understand where you're coming from. I have been blessed with some great Canadian friends who are so open-minded, and they taught me more than I think I taught them (laughs) (laughs) because I learned from them how to be with newcomers myself as well. From my personal experience and from how I was treated and wanting to treat others like that as well. So I don't have many negative experiences with feeling like an outsider. So I would say, listen, ask questions, learn, and welcome, because those are just the most important things. And we're not that different, you know, as as people. People who Mm -hmm. come here generally want to belong here and want a better life here. I don't think a lot of people who come here come here with a closed mind, as in my way is the best way. At least I haven't met that many people like that. And it's certainly not my family. Mm-hmm. So just keep an open mind. That's fantastic. So then what would you or what advice would you have for people who are new to Alberta and Canada? Oh, I hope this is inspirational. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like. It's hard at first. It was very hard for me. My first year was the toughest year of my life. I felt very lonely. I felt like I had no one because I didn't really have a lot of people in my life from Canada at that point. I only had my family. And it seemed like it was not worth it then. But I would recommend and I would suggest just keep going. Just keep grinding, just keep working, because at the end, it will all be worth it 100%, if not 1,000%. I would never, ever, ever change anything. I love my life so much in Canada, and I love this country, and I feel like a true Canadian, and I feel welcomed here. I do not feel like, oh, I'm an immigrant that just happens to have this title. I do not. I feel like a Canadian, and I feel part of this country. and. That is so much worth it for that one little year of, for me personally, was a year of suffering, maybe. It was worth it because it will be over, it will end, and you will start to acclimate, and you will start to meet people, and you will start to feel like you belong here. Mm-hmm. So my suggestion is work through it. It will happen for you, and it's completely worth it. Wow. So... You know, we've talked about your journey and kind of where you've come from and what you've been through. So what about your future? What are you most excited about in regards to your future? So my future, (laughs) I always thought that I had this plan of everything. I always planned my life out five years. But to be completely honest, since I got that Fifi result that I passed, (laughs) (laughs) My life has done a complete 180 because I am finally not constricted to anything, I think. There is so many interested parties. As I said, CPA does open 
a lot of doors. It's amazing. And I've had a lot of interest on LinkedIn and it's just, it's mind blowing. And I know it's also got to do with the fact that I've worked with a reputable firm like KPMG. It's such an amazing company that that experience on top of being a CPA combined, that also makes me a much more desirable candidate. But it's just still mind blowing that I'm actually, whereas if I was a year ago, somebody asked me, what's your future? I'd be like, oh, I want to be a manager at KPMG and, you know, keep working here for a while. Now I'm sitting here and thinking to myself, but what if, what if another dream job comes along? It's totally possible. You haven't even explored other options. And I haven't yet, but I can see myself exploring other options because there's so much more out there that you could go and do. So before I didn't quite, like I said, believe that was possible, but now I totally see it. I see that. I see what people mean when they say it opens doors. So mm-hmm. I don't know right now. I feel like I'm going to be a KPMG for maybe a little while longer. And then I think I really want to work for a bank. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I love banks. I've always loved banks. That's why I have a finance degree. And why not? I mean, if you can do it, you have you have your designation, you have your education, you have um, experience, you know, like the yes. world's your oyster. <laughs> no, exactly. And so banks have always fascinated me because they're complex. And I yeah. love complicated things because I get bored once I figure something out. Everything to me is a puzzle. So I don't know. That's where I see myself maybe five years down the road. So yeah, that's my plan, I think. Awesome. Thank you so much, Kat, for joining us today um, and sharing your story and advice. And I think this is a good place to close for today. So um, is there anything you would like to add before we finish up? Um, Just good luck to any newcomers, I guess. You can do it. That's about it. <laughs> Thank you so much. There you have it, everybody, straight from the future CPA's mouth. Thank you for tuning in, everyone. We hope that Kat's story inspired you and that you were able to learn something throughout the episode. And make sure to subscribe to our emailing list and to share this episode with any friends that you think would enjoy it. Straight from the CPA's mouth is brought to you by the CPA Education Foundation. The CPA Education Foundation is the charitable arm of the Alberta CPA profession, providing up to $1.2 million each year in support of business and accounting education in the province. This podcast is just one of many resource materials available through the HESHI CPA Knowledge Centre. This virtual hub features Alberta CPAs sharing their unique perspective and vast expertise on topics and issues such as leadership, finance, entrepreneurship, and more. Visit cpaalberta.ca slash foundation for more information on the HESHI CPA Knowledge Centre and to learn how Alberta CPAs inspire success.